All right, greetings, everybody, and welcome to another installment of Innovation Crush. It's me, Chris Denson. Yeah! Um, there's a reason why that happened. Um, in case you guys are tuning in for the first time ever, this show covers all things ideas, innovation, creativity, um, massive movements that have been created. And I'm here today with Joe DeSena. Say hello, Joe. Hello, Joe. Hello, Joe. It reminds me of G.I. Joe. And they used to go like, yo, Joe. Um, so thank you for joining me for an amazing martial arts workout this morning. Thanks for having me. That was, um, that was awesome. So before we get into all the, all the madness, um, how about you give us the 101 on who Joe DeSena is? And I'm going to relax because I'm still out of breath. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, um, <laughs> so Joe, uh, grew up in Queens. I grew up in Queens, uh, New York. I was born in 69. Uh, yoga, meditation, uh, eating vegan was not very popular. Back then, it was all about raviolis, uh, cement, and jail, where I grew oh, up. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> and and um, throw in some cheesecake. And my mother, in 72, 73, she finds uh, an Indian guru at a health food store. And she makes a 180-degree pivot and introduces my sister and I to a different lifestyle, which we completely rejected. Everybody rejected. She was considered crazy at the time, but clearly she was ahead of her time. And um, one of the things she introduced me to was a 3,100-mile foot race in Queens around a one-mile loop. And the idea with this race, started by an Indian one of her gurus, was to show what the human mind and body was capable of. Um, you can not only run 3,100 miles, but around a one-mile loop over and over and over. And um, I didn't do uh, the event, but I was inspired. And like, that looks cool. I'm going over here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, um, but it stuck with me. And, and I think what started to happen is I started to, uh, even if it was subconsciously, consider uh, the possibilities right. of, of human mind and spirit. Anyway, I wanted to be a business person. I was more interested in cheesecake. And um, ultimately ended up on, on Wall Street um, made some money, but then found that philosophy again, mm. found, uh, Bikram yoga. I, I fell in love with hot, torturous yoga, two, three classes in a row I had to do. I couldn't wow. do one. And, um, and then found adventure racing. And then ultimately, uh, because I'm an entrepreneur at heart, started this thing called Spartan, which has become, uh, somewhat of a global phenomenon. And I have to say this, I went to Michigan state. So, all right, the Spartans. So I'm right, naturally so gravitated yeah. toward this conversation. Um, so that's a pretty epic journey. I did read that, you know, when you were eight, you were selling fireworks. Then in college, you had a pool business. So the entrepreneur, like kind of, what was that? What, what, you know, where did that entrepreneurial spirit come from? Because I understand where the 3,100 miles and where you are yeah, now came yeah. from, but where did the entrepreneurial so, so spirit the, come the, from? It's an interesting question because um, I have, we have four children now and my oldest is 12. And I think to myself at that age, I had enough gumption to um, figure out how to go buy fireworks so I could resell them. At the age right? of eight, which is kind of trippy. Exactly. And so, and so when, I look, when I look at my 12-year-old, I, I say like, he, you know, they don't have that. But, and so I think, I don't think we were uh, different genetically. I think we're different. We grew up in different environments. And the environment I grew up in, we talked about money all the time because the kids wanted to get out of the street, right? They're, they're, the um, organized crime guys had rolls of cash and Cadillacs. And so, you know, when, when they look at runners, for example, in Africa, uh, where somebody has won a marathon and gotten a Mercedes, all those kids want to be runners because mm -hmm. in their mind, that's their way out. So I guess, I guess I'm looking at a Spartan helmet. 
in front of me. <laughs> How did that happen? That is cool. We are, we are in a martial arts studio, and I looked over, and I see a Spartan helmet. Awesome. So, so, um, so anyway, I think, I think it was pervasive throughout the environment uh, to figure out how to make money. Fireworks was my first stint at it. I would sell, I would buy firecrackers, packs of firecrackers for a penny. And I would sell them um, for three cents. And I would make uh, three cents a pack. And then it went from three cents to 10 cents over time. My mother moved us out of New York City to Ithaca, New York, where there was no supply of fireworks. Hmm. And I, I smuggled the fireworks to, <laughs> to Ithaca. Now I'm 12. Right. And I'm buying packs of fireworks at that point. Let's call it, you know, five or six cents. And I'm selling them for a dollar because no one else had, like, there was no competition. And so I quickly learned supply and demand. At a, at a very young age. And then it, it just sticks with you. It just becomes part of your fabric, right? right? I'm an entrepreneur at that point. And, and my father had to talk with me because I got in trouble at school. I got caught selling fireworks. They threw me out of school. And he said, look, it's good that you've got that drive and not entrepreneur, but why don't you do something legal? And, and that, I, I took that message to heart and I started, uh, I started another business. Wow. Um, so I guess fast forwarding to what Spartan has become, um, kind of this as, as, I, as I was told to do at a dinner recently, brag about yourself as a Jewish grandmother would. So, you know, as far as the number of races, number of countries, the success thus far. Sure. So so um, we are now in 41 countries. 275 events, uh, 1 million participants uh, per year, 5 million people in our community. And it, it, the sun never sets on Sparta, um, which is why I think I slept 10 hours last night because um, my phone is, oh, like when Japan wakes up, my phone starts, right? It just never stops. Right. Um, so it's become a, it's a global moment. And, and by the way, it's not... It's not just uh, people racing. Uh, I think there's lots of people sprinkling a little Spartan in their life, whether they're taking a cold shower because of us, they're doing some burpees, they're eating a little healthier, they're going to bed a little earlier. So we've really, um, we're trying to suck out all this advancement um, in society where uh, it's gotten too soft and maybe bring us a little closer to the Flintstones. (laughs) Uh, I saw on a TV show last night, somebody asked, why did the Flintstones celebrate Christmas? Why did the celebr- Why did they celebrate they were, Christmas? They were before Christ. That's so, right. Um, sidebar. So, when I, a, a description I read about Spartan race: extreme obstacle races where no one knows what to expect, but to finish is to be transformed. Yes. So, yes, no, maybe not always the race, but there is this kind of like transformational piece to it. Kind of walk us through like the purpose. You know, the, I guess the deeper purpose of what is well, you know, not unlike the martial arts studio that we're in. I'm sure you've seen tremendous transformations take place here. Uh, when I think about uh, to use old analogies, uh, turning coal into diamonds or turning iron into steel, right? You've got to pound it, you've got to heat it, you've got to drown it, and so transformations don't take place easily. And and so we put people through incredible hardship. And, and, and during that time, they get to know who they are. They meet themselves. Um, when they use the word integrity on buildings, on structures, right, it's, it's about testing that building, testing that structure to see if it's going to hold up during tough times. And so that's what we do. That's what they do here in the martial arts studios. We, we test people. We push them just to the point we're about to break. All kinds of emotional things happen at that place. And... Many times you reinvent yourself. You become a new person. You are literally turning iron into steel. 
That's great. Um, and so I guess through that process, the number, you've also like partnered with a number of different brands and entities. I happen to be on the, uh, the advisory board of HubSpot. Yep. And I know there's a race coming up and there's a hashtag HubSpartan that's all around it. Yeah. So just kind of walk us through like the idea of what part, what it means to be a partnered organization. Because I think there's so much heart and purpose in what you do. You have to choose your partners wise, wisely and what you do with those partners, you also have to choose wisely. Well, first let's talk about, it's been really interesting for me because I, I had a career on Wall Street so I really understand uh, companies and, and them making their quarterly numbers and so forth, right? What makes a, a successful company and not a successful company. And, and so it's intriguing for me, why would a company want to partner with us, right? And um, what's amazing about this brand is uh, we're sitting in, in a martial arts studio right now talking about Spartan. Um, there are people in boardrooms where there's a billion dollar deals going on. They're talking about Spartan because Spartan is badass. It's, it's a fun thing to talk about, right? All the other stuff, the money, that's all boring stuff. So companies approach us, and it took me a while to figure this out. I've been doing this for a long time. But companies approach us because it gives them um, a cool factor to, to what they're doing, right? Plus, it gives them purpose, right? You don't want to be a company that's just selling stuff. If you're attached to a company that's transformational, that's getting people to eat healthy and do all that. So I think that's why companies are attracted to us and then and then we have to choose the right company. We don't want to we don't want to associate with a company that's not and I can't tell you how many arguments I've been in with our partnership team because I said no. I'm not I'm not doing that deal. I'm not selling people uh, stuff that's unhealthy no matter what the terms uh, of that deal are. So um so we find companies that align with us and our values and our ethos and 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 they find us and and we do deals like like HubSpot's been a tremendous supporter of what's going on at Fenway. And they're bringing out, as you know, a bunch of teams and Absolutely, a bunch of people yeah. so we could uh, heat them, pound them, and drown them. <laughs> <laughs> heat, pound, drown. Um, that's, that sounds pretty brutal. Uh, and we were blessed today to, to kind of have some experience with Chief Master Daniel here at uh, Murimdo. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about the philosophy and how you went into the training session that we did this morning and what you kind of processed in the Spartan process, you know, uh, and, and turn that into what we did earlier today? Yeah, so <clears throat> before we start, you didn't know I was going to ask you a question, though, did you? Yeah, I didn't know I was going <laughs> to. This is the best part. Yeah, it's the best part. It's organic, <laughs> right? I was literally just sitting here. But anyway, I was, you know, I knew that Joe was coming and I wanted to kind of give a unique experience. I know that he's had a lot of um, experiences in the physical realm um, and I've done some research and I know you've been through a lot of endurance training. So I was thinking, what can I bring to someone who's done so much and kind of give him something unique, something different? So, uh, well, the great thing about our school and our style is that it's only taught here. So I was like, let's do something. Let's do a regiment where it's only taught here. That's unique. And the reason why I wanted to do something like the basic stances that we went over, it's technically low impact. We're not jumping around doing anything, uh, but it does test your strength and your flexibility right and uh, <clears throat> no you're pretty good actually no you guys I, no you guys did really well for your first time there was a lot of hand movements and gestures so it's gonna like you're going to have to think really fast you're going to put, be put in awkward positions that you've never been put in so that's what i want to bring to the table also what we did was a very kind of superficial version of the basic stances the stances itself we should technically be doing them as if 
there was a table and you wanted to be low enough where you're under the table. So technically that's how we should do the stances. But today we're just we didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> But we're just learning today, right? We're just learning today. So that's kind of what I want to bring to the table as well. So, so Joe, that brings me to a, another thought. What does challenge mean to you? Because you've been through a lot. I mean, you've, you're an ultra marathoner yourself. I heard you did two like ultra marathons two days in a row. Like, it just the idea of challenge means something different to someone like you. I would imagine. I think challenge for all of us. It, you gotta you gotta meet people where they are. So for me, uh, challenge is uh, anything I don't want to do. So obviously, it's got to be healthy in nature. I'm not gonna just jump off a building, but but um. I, I look at things, we all do, and I'm like, man, I don't really want, well, now I got to do it because I said that, right? So, so a great story, an example of that is um, I was in Scotland. We were putting on a race, and I arrived a day early, and I saw the team. They were doing a great job putting everything together. The rain was sideways. It was misty. It was exactly Scottish weather on point. And I saw two tent weights, 50 pounds each. They were holding down a tent. And I said, man, it would suck if I had to carry those two weights around the course. I don't want to do that. And as soon as I said, I don't want to do that, it became a challenge. And I said, I got to do it. But if I'm going to do it, wouldn't it be awesome? They had a little fun to it. If I had a um, bagpiper follow me the whole way. So I convinced a bagpiper, I paid him to follow me the whole way around, um, hang on one second, um, around the course carrying these weights. And it was a disaster. But, but it's an example of challenging yourself, no matter who you are, where you are, um, and pushing yourself outside your comfort zone, because that's the only place where you grow, right? If you just sat on the couch every day and you just think that the, that the things, even, even you as a master, if you only did the things you're really comfortable with, well, that's, you're never going to grow, right? You've got, to, you've got to push yourself outside your comfort zone. So when I was told this morning I was going to come here at 730 and get beat up, I thought, I don't really want to come here and get beat up. <laughs> but, but, um, right, that's what we do. We, put, we push ourselves, so whatever it is, it is. I think there's, there's I mean, it also translates into business philosophy, right? I, 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 when I started this show, one of the first things I did, I booked an entire day in the studio, and I think I did like five or six interviews back to back because I needed to take myself to a place where I, like, almost like a point of no return. Right. There's I'm in it now. Like if I had done one, it could have been two, three weeks, a month, three months later before I did another. But because I set myself up to stick with what I felt was a challenge at the time, um, it may still seem challenging now to you guys. But um, but, you know, has how does that in your world translate into the business practice? Well, look, it's really easy to say, hey, uh, we've got five races, Spartan race that we have five races. We've got enough people. We're profitable. Um, but that wasn't enough for me because I want to be constantly challenged. Like if we're going to do this and I'm going to spend time away from my family, we're going to do it. And so, all right, we're in three countries. Let's go to five. And that's uncomfortable for everybody, right? Or let's go to 10. Joe, you're moving to Asia. Yeah. Well, let's, let's go grow out Asia, right? Like, so if you're going to do it to your point, you do six, you don't do one and, and life is just too short. So let's squeeze every ounce of blood out of it. We can before we're gone. That's the way I... That's Everything comes out of you so aggressively. Squeezing blood, <laughs> pounding, and drowning. <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's Spartan. It's not um, uh, Barbie. So, <laughs> <laughs> although, a partnership with Mattel... Would be cool. 
I made um, a, a Spartan Barbie. Yeah. That would be awesome. Sparty. Sparby. 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 Then we're in the martial arts. It all works out. Um, Spartan up, Spartan fit. Does every book you write start with the word Spartan? And yes. With an action? I was in Sparta, Greece recently, and I called my wife. I had never been to Sparta, Greece before. I can't believe I hadn't gotten there sooner. About a year ago. And I'm walking around and I'm seeing the ruins and it's just, it's just unbelievable. And I called my wife and I said, I can't believe we own the word Spartan. I can't believe, like, this is a 2,500 plus year old word. So if we're going to make a book, it's going to have the word Spartan. If I'm going to wear a t-shirt, it's going to have the word Spartan on it. I mean, I joke Richard Branson. I said, Virgin is cool, but Spartan is a lot better. Like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> nice. I, maybe I don't have a rocket, but... <laughs> But who really needs, who a, needs rocket? a rocket? I got a, I got a, I got a rock. <laughs> you can rock it. Exactly. Um, speaking of which, so, you know, when I, I saw you have a podcast as well, and I'll get back to the book in a second. Um, I saw that you interviewed Richard Branson, and I, the one thing that was kind of like dissociative to me was when I look at you, I see stuff that I don't want to do. When I, it, it just to me as like a business mind, I was like I don't want to run thirty one hundred miles in a one mile loop. Like, sure. ill. Like, but I, but I, but I have a strong appreciation for it. I'm amazed by it. Um, whereas I see a Richard Branson, I think most entrepreneurs may think this way. They go like, I want to do that. Like, whether it looks cool or whatever, we put these other types of entrepreneurs but, but, on pedestals. But by the way, I mean, he did a lot of tough things to get. To where he is so you're only looking at it after 50 years of of him of him doing stuff right like maybe yep. maybe you'd be more interested in the kind of stuff i'm doing 20 years from now when i'm a little more advanced and i have my own island then you'd say like, i want to be like joe <laughs> i just i feel like when most people look at physical challenge they're like there's no way they don't believe in themselves enough to be able to do that maybe that's what i meant right as like i don't believe i could run 3100 miles or i believe i may be able to build a business that could grow like it's just my Weird yeah, but I don't, I don't listen. I think about the development of a human being. None of like, I don't, I didn't believe I could do these things either. And then you just do them. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the quickest way to, to figure out that you can do something is to do it. So um, when I just heard you say that and say, I, I, I don't believe I could run an ultramat, whatever. I thought, well, that's the word, the question you asked earlier about challenge. Like, as mm -hmm. soon as you say that, you're now on the hook, you got to do it. You got to go out and Okay. Um, you, you are now coming to Iceland in December and you're doing, you're doing Spartan Iceland. So you are now on the hook. Uh, damn it. Uh, now I gotta tell my wife. I have a bad knee. Doesn't matter. Okay. All right. Just tape it up. No. It, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, and that is one of the things, I guess, as part of the spirit of what Spartan is, you know, age, gender, physical capability are not limitations. Um, how do you, how do you activate on that theory? Well, so you said you had a bad knee. I was I'm, kidding, and by the and way. I'm not, I'm not picking on you when I, or anybody with a bad knee, but like we've had people come out that are missing two legs and an arm, and they do the course with one arm. So like, like, are you kidding me? Right? Here's It's the world's smallest violin. Stop, stop already. Like, <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, if you're alive. So what I like to say, look, and I'm not saying these things aren't hard. I don't wake up in the morning and say, oh, my God, this is so easy and so much. No, it's a struggle. It's a struggle to get in the cold showers, a struggle to do burpees, a struggle to work out with you here. But, but like, the difference is I make it non-negotiable. Like, I got to do it. Because, because at the end of our lives, we're not going to sit around and say, man, I wish I sat on the couch more. I wish I, I, I would have watched more TV. We're always going to reminisce and talk about, and the stories are going to be carried on in tough times. Right? Like, and so... That's where the magic happens. That's beautiful.
Um, so back to the books for a second, because yeah. um, I wanted to ask you your take on shortcuts, because you go Spartan fit versus Spartan up. You know, one's sort of a 30-day transformational guide, which to me is like, ah, I can do what he does in 30 days. Um, but It comes with a pill, too. If you take the pill, you're completely transformed. <laughs> you're limitless. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but talk to us a little bit about the books, but also so, just like this idea of shortcuts. Are there any or, or no, how do you feel There's about no that? shortcuts. Uh, Spartan is an 18-year-old overnight success. Like, there's no way around it. Uh, the studio we're sitting in has been going, th this philosophy has been going on since 68. So, like, uh, there's no, uh, the Spartans worked for 13 years before they were, like, they got their black belt. 13 years. They started at seven years old. They did an agogi for, like, there's no, there's no shortcut. I don't care what you look like when you're born or how smart you are. You have to do the work. The book, Spartan Up, was our first book. And, and, um, it became a New York Times bestseller, which I'm proud to say because I, I coming from the yeah. coming from the name neighborhood I came from, I didn't even think I could. I can't even read, so I got to, <laughs> to write a book that right like a big deal for me. So, but that book was a lot about my story, and and um and and when I looked at Amazon and I looked at like what did anybody complain about, what didn't they like about the book? This, it 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 affected me. Um, they wanted more of a guide. Mm -hmm. They wanted to know like a step-by-step -step program, right? So I said, okay, the second book will be that. And that was Spartan Fit. And then the third book, this new book, Spartan Way, which just got published, the idea was, um, you know what? It really comes down to 10 principles, whether it's martial art, whether it's a business, whether it's uh, of being a mom or a monk or a mobster, whatever it is, there's 10 principles uh, that exist from the beginning of time. And I'm just going to put those 10 principles down. Um, I know those principles really well because when you run hundreds of miles or you build a business or you do anything that's really hard, you naturally follow those principles, right? You commit. Commitment. You, you said it. You committed when you did your sixth podcast. So that's one of the principles. They're ancient principles. And so I just laid them out. I gave stories and I, I tell people, like, I'm sorry if you get the book and you read it and it doesn't change your life. It's because you're not doing the work. It has nothing to do with me. I'm giving you age-old principles that work, right? There's no pill in it. And, and so send me the book back. I'll give you your money back, and I'll give it to somebody who will do the work, which I'm sure you've said a thousand times in this studio, in this martial arts studio, right? You're not going to do the work. You're not, it has nothing to do with the, the teaching. It has to do with you. So, so I don't know if that answers the question or not. but It does. No, I was kidding. It, yeah. No, it was great. It, 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 because, you know, I think... We live in an era where you also talk about this as a, as a thing, um, the, the idea of instant gratification, right? You post something on Instagram, like you see how many likes you get or how many more followers you get. And there's this false barometer of what success is. And I don't almost we'll say it's all stemmed in social media, but everything sort of get quick, do it fast. And maybe that's more of a Western thing since you travel the world. But um, I just wanted to get your, your no. Your so to, listen, I, I don't know how many people have heard. It's one of my favorite studies. Um, is, is the marshmallow test. And it was done in 1972 by Professor Walter Mitchell at Stanford University. He took children, put them in cubicles, offered every kid a marshmallow. And he said, look, you could eat the marshmallow now, which is the quick fix that you're talking about that our society certainly believes in. Or when I come back, I'll give you two marshmallows. So all you have to do is wait. It's a hard thing to do, right? So um, he followed the kids for 30 years. And what he found was that most kids ate the marshmallow right away, but the kids that didn't eat the marshmallow, they had better lives. Everything in life was better, Best, better SAT scores, better marriages, better, everything was better. And so I tested my son, my oldest son. 
And I thought, shit, do I have a marshmallow or do I have, <laughs> right. do I have a piece of steel here that, that could hold out, right? Like, I don't know what we got. And um, I gave him a scoop of ice cream and it was late at night. So I was already making excuses in my mind that if he failed, it was, it was okay because it was too late and he never eats ice cream. And about three and a half minutes in, he turned to me and he said, hey, dad, how long do I have to get? He was, I think he was eight or seven. He said, dad, how long do I have to wait to get 15 scoops of ice cream? And I, and I thought, holy shit, that's the best answer you could have really, hoped yeah. for as, as, a, as a dad because, because at the end of the day, he taught me something. We're all playing for 15 scoops. And so to your point, to your question, in this country, I don't think we realize we're playing for 15 scoops. And when you go, when you hit the snooze button, which is instant gratification, and you go back to bed, um, you're not going to get this morning. You're, you're not going to get 15 <laughs> scoops, right? When you have that extra glass of wine at night, you're not going to get 15 scoops. There's a great story uh you guys can google it out there uh, called will it make the boat go faster and and there was a u.s rowing uh english rowing team that there was no chance they were going to win gold medal and the coach said look for the next 18 months we are going to ask ourselves with every single decision we make will it make the boat go faster hey guys let's go get some ice cream tonight will it make the boat go faster no we're not getting ice cream hey guys let's go out with girls tonight we've been working all week will it make the boat go faster no we're not doing that and for 18 weeks every decision 18 months every decision they made they asked that question they answered it and as you can imagine they did nothing but train to make the boat go faster they won the gold medal and so um it's no surprise any story you've ever heard about anybody that's ever done anything great is a monomaniac on a mission and just focuses on the goal. And so uh, you're not going to get there if you're worried about Instagram likes, unless unless your mission is to get a lot of Instagram likes, right? Like, so. I wasn't referring to myself. I was just. Uh, <laughs> no, not you. <laughs> the proverbial me. Yeah. Um, you know, I find that people that are at the, I had a chance to interview uh, Andy Walsh, who's the head of Red Bull's human performance program. And um, and one thing I find about people who are in the business of pushing people to their maximum, you know, may have, like, how do you get to your maximum? What's like, what's the inspiration or mentorship that you have that kind of keeps Joe pushing even further? Well, I'm, I mean, there's, there's, there's a small percentage of us around the globe that are type triple a personalities that will and I'm, I'm definitely one of those so uh, although i don't want to work out in the morning but i do it anyway although i don't want to take a cold shower but i do it anyway i'm self-driven that way right and and there's a there's a bunch of us out there but most people and i know this because i get the emails don't have the motivation to, to push themselves and i've done a ton of interviews like you have and what I found, and, I, and it's a trick I use that I didn't even think of, and, and everybody should use this trick, is I say, all right, look, I don't feel like doing 300 burpees right now, so I'll do three. I'm just going to do three. Three turns into six. Six turns into nine. Nine turns into 30, right? Like, like I've, I've talked to Olympic cyclists. They said we have to ride our bike five to seven hours every single day. I don't feel like riding five to seven hours when I wake up, they say. To, so I'm just going to ride 30 minutes today. I trained hard yesterday. 30 minutes turns into an hour, an hour turns into three hours. And so, and so it's little tricks like that, mm -hmm. that help all of us get to a place where um, it's not easy to get to. How important is it to have that accountability community? 
you know, I, I was part of a group with the founder of Omaze. Yep. Um, and for we did a 30 day challenge. And so yep. everybody via text group, you're like, most of us, it was 300 pushups a day. Nice. Um, and it was like, you get that text at seven o'clock, like done. And I still have 150 or 200 left and it's going yeah. on 830 or nine o'clock. I'm like, well, everybody else is doing now I need to also show up. Yep. So what's the difference between, you know, that accountability factor and your own self motivation? The reality is, I mean, that's just like, um, it's almost like cheating, I would say, because when you have a partner, one or 10 or 30 partners, um, it's easy. You like, like easier, right? And, and I'll tell you a funny story. So when I started this 300 burpee a day thing, I, we were in a rental house down in Mississippi. And I was with my buddy who's pretty competitive and a type A, triple A type personality also. And so we said, all right, every morning we do 300 burpees, right? So I wake up in the morning and he's not up yet, and so I start. Next morning, he wakes up 15 minutes early, and he starts, right? And I hear the pa- Now I get up, and I'm pissed because he's already 100 <laughs> in. Next morning, I wake up 30 minutes. Before you know it, we're waking up 3 a.m. because <laughs> none of us wanted to be. And so that accountability is unbelievable because it drove me not only to do the burpees, but you get competitive about it, right? Like, like when you look at any world record that is broken, all of a sudden then it's broken a bunch of times because people see it's competitive. It's like, oh, it could be done. Now I'm, now I'm chasing it. And so I, I would say um, if you have a motivational problem, you get some friends to st- and, and all of a sudden the game changes. Yeah. It's, right. it, it's, I mean, I, you, you definitely talk about it in the physical sense, but obviously in business, I mean, I give a, a, there's a talk I give on innovation and one of the sort of takeaways I talk about is being competitive, yeah. right? I'll look at, I ran an innovation team at a media agency for a while. We had a New York team and an LA team and I would look at what New York would be like, oh, we did this cool thing with blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, ah, that was dope. I like, I, now my next thing, I want to, I want our team to top that. It's friendly competition and then obviously doing the company a lot of good. Um, but I don't know if generally, you know, throughout the world, we celebrate competition enough. No, so I, I, it's funny, right? When we started Spartan, uh, there were a bunch of competitors, but 800 competitors popped up uh, between 2010, 2011. Everyone wanted to to be in our, in in our business. And um, I said, if I'm going to do this, if we're going to put put on Spartan, it's got to have competition. It's got to have timing, officiating, um, it's got to hold you accountable. You can't just skip obstacles. You got to do 30 burpees. And the reason I did that was because that's my ethos. Like, if I'm going to do this, we're going to do it legitimately. You don't, your father didn't start this uh, martial arts studio and they're like, oh, people, I don't care if they do the stance this way or that way as long as they come and pay me. No, you do it right or you don't do it. Right. And, and that's the way I approached um, Spartan. Now, the problem with that for me was that's a hard sell to your point, right? It's hard to sell competition and, and, and officiating and all that. It's easier to sell. Oh, just come. We'll have some beers and we'll, we'll skip some obstacles, hold some hands. And so I said, wait a minute, competition's good. Like you said, because it drives like, sure. And, and sure enough, fast forward eight years, 99% of the competitors are out of business and we're still standing for the exact reason you just said, because, because it's competition with camaraderie, right? Like, like you'll see a, a top 10, uh, runner, male or female, grab somebody else and help them. You don't see that right. all, all the time in life. And so, um, but it also drives everybody to push harder. Like, what was your time? How'd you do in your age group? And, and, and you know, it, it wakes you up in the morning. Get I usually training. step on people's backs when I see them down. So <laughs> that's how I got here. Um, <laughs> no, so, okay, going back to the, the HubSpot thing again, because one of the things I liked about this sort of pairing, even by comparison to some of the other uh, partnerships I've seen, is that 
you both have this goal of growth, like internal, like spiritual, if you want to put a little woo-woo on it, growth, but also business growth and helping others grow. So there's like this, this triplicate of duality there. Um, what does growth mean to you in, in both on both realms, right? From a business standpoint and just as Being Joe a human being. So, so I, think, I think everybody in this room will agree. If you're not growing, you're dying. That's it. Right. And so I'm not, I don't want to die. <laughs> so we're going to grow. And I think that's whether you're a company or like you can't remain status. You can't remain in, at one level. You've got to keep growing and pushing and pivoting uh, because your environment is constantly changing. So if your environment's changing and you're static, you're dead. Yeah. Right. Um, whether, whether, you know, we're talking about a human being or, or we're talking about a company. So uh, look, and, and the, the reality is it's just easier to, to remain static. It's just easier to just remain the way you, like, who wants to grow? Growing's hard. We're going to go to five more countries. We're going to add another million participants. It's hard. But um, anything good is hard. Well, there's a phrase that I believe in, which is it's not that people don't like change. They don't like transition. It's right. the in-between, that gray area, like you're leaving behind whatever you were familiar with, exactly. that comfort zone, and then you're going into something unknown. But then that unknown becomes familiar, and then you seek the new, uh, exactly. you know. Uh, but every time is equally as uncomfortable. And uh, one anecdote I read with you, oh, let me see if I get this quote right. Um, uh, oh, it was something with the death race. And when that kind of tanked, there was a big disappointment for you in the way some of the people that you were involved with were operating. And you almost had to start over in a sense, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, and that was, it's hard to do. It's always hard. I think you nailed it. I think that transition period, look, the most stressful time in anybody's life is moving, right? Because it's all new and it's exciting. So I moved my family to three different countries because that's good, right? If it's hard to do, we're going to do it. And, and so we moved to Japan and then you moved to Singapore and you moved to Vancouver and, and, uh, just keeps, keeps you on your toes. Do they have so, ice cream in all those countries? They, they have ice cream okay, cool. in all those countries. Yes. Double check. I want to see if they can. And really, and really good sushi. <laughs> <laughs> um, 15 and, scoops of sushi. That's good. Exactly. Good exactly. But, but the reality is if you're out there and you're doing the same thing every day and you're driving 90 minutes in traffic, the same job and you're unhappy and like, what are you doing? Right. Shake it up. Go join a martial arts studio. Do something different. What do you What do you stick with? Because there's some things where you're like the 90 minute commute, like for four years or whatever, get is getting you somewhere. You know, but there could be. There's always that. I don't. I guess an internal tug of war. Like, do I make the change now or do I keep growing? By the way, this is the billion dollar question. It's very hard to answer, and I don't have the answer for it. I, um. I, I, I've gotten close to the answer. And so what you're saying is um, people that are successful uh, tend to become successful because they're resilient and they're gritty and they, and they have no quit. However, is there a time when you're supposed to quit and supposed to pivot, right? You're doing well. You're in the 90-minute commute. Everything's going well. Why, why, would you, why would you change? And I guess I would say I thought about Ed Visters, who's a mountain climber, and his famous saying is, Getting to the top is optional. Getting down is mandatory. So, so what does that mean? So you're climbing a mountain. I know my personality is such that no matter if the weather is bad, whatever, I'm going for it. And that could be fatal, right? And so how, Joe, when are you supposed to pivot? When, when do you turn around? And I guess it's driven by what your purpose in life is, what your true north is. If, if you want to be the greatest martial arts 
uh, teacher that ever lived. If that's your purpose and that's your true north, well then at all costs, that's what you're doing, right? If you wanna be the greatest mountain climber and, and this is your only window to get to the top and the weather's bad, you're probably going for it. But if you wanna be the greatest family man and you wanna take care of your family, you, you do not summit, you turn around. And so I think you gotta ask yourself that question. If you're in that 90 minute commute, like what is your purpose? What is your true north? Very hard question to answer. Um, like what, why are you on this earth? What, what's the thing that drives you, right? Some people say, oh, well you could say like, if you had all the money in the world, what would you be doing today? And that's a good question. If you knew today was your last day on earth, what you would be, what would you be doing today? But, but, but I think the better question is, if you knew you were going to fail, what would you be doing? And in other words, you know you're going to fail in making this up at the podcast, but you want to do it anyway? Well, you probably, this is probably your thing. Right. Right? You know you're not that good at football, but you're going for the NFL. Well, that's your thing. Maybe you should be a coach, right? So I think that's a great question to ask yourself. Find out what your purpose is, and then you should be all in. Yeah, on that purpose. That's great. That's uh, it's really great. Um, so all that design for growth. I think when I think about your business, uh, you know, it's easy to go race, race, race. But you with the books, you you know, and Spartan X, what you what you launched. Um, what else do you want to do with the brand of Spartan? Because I saw I read some stuff about Facebook Live. Um, there's a partnership with Rakuten in uh, Japan. Like, what else do you want to do with the brand to expand it? The big the, the the biggest thing we could do for society, and 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 I say that uh, not lightly because because it's. It's less, it's always been less about, believe me, I want to be profitable. I want to make money. So, so I'm not taking anything away from that, but it's, it's less about that because that will come and it's more about changing lives, right? So when you ask that question, what, like, I just want to, I want to change hundred million lives and it's a ridiculous goal. How the hell do you change hundred million? We've done five. How do we get another 95? And I think that's through becoming a lifestyle brand because not everybody's going to do our race. Not everybody's going to come in the studio. But if you could sprinkle a little bit of Spartan in everybody's life, um, I get a free pass to heaven. <laughs> free pass to heaven. <laughs> With okay. all my friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, last but not least, um, you know, you've seen a lot. You've attempted and are doing a lot of successful things with the brand. Um, what is it... What have you learned, or how have you changed the most in the past 18 years? Like, from, if you think about day one, when you set out on this path to right now, like, what's that one Well, big... you know, we talked, about, we talked about True North, right? And so I think your True North could change throughout your life. For the first um, 20 years of my life, it was like, could I build a business, right? And then it became, could I make, I need to make money. And, and so now it's about, like, I want to change lives. I want to measure my success in lives change, and I, I want to have a really healthy family and I want to raise great kids. And so, um, in the last 18 years, I mean, everything's happened. I've, <laughs> I've, I've transitioned from, from making money, um, I, uh, to, and I have a family, we have four kids, we've moved all over the world. Um, and I kill myself every day in a good way to, to on this mission. So, um, who gets like, I, I have to kiss the ground every day because like who gets to walk into the Pentagon hang out with Richard Branson, come train at 7.30 a.m. with a master in, 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 a, in a unique, only exists in one place, uh, martial art, right? Um, and when I check my email later, get 100 emails that say, hey, you changed my life. I'm no longer drinking. I'm back with my husband. I'm no longer doing drugs. Like, it's unbelievable. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, the show is called Innovation Crush. 
what have you seen in the world in these travels, people you've encountered that you personally have a crush on? It could be something that's like a thing that gives you goosebumps. It might be a meal. It might be a robot you saw. I don't know. It might be a dance movie. Uh, who knows? But uh, um, I'm in no particular. I was not prepared for the question. So these are maybe silly, <laughs> ans silly answers. But like in Japan, um, the thing that I have a crush on there is, is their Spartan attitude toward when they get on something. Talk about commitment. Oh, my God. They are committed. We, we, I took my kids to a wrestling program there. And my kids had already been training two a days for seven days. My, I, I thought my kids were tough. And we go into this wrestling program on Sunday. Now, now, what I'm about to tell you, these kids do it seven days a week. My kids only were there for Sunday. The training took five hours, all in Japanese. They never stopped. At the end, the, the master asked in Japanese, who wants to continue? All the kids raised their hand. Hi! Like, I got a crush on that. That's amazing. Unbelievable. And it's the same in baseball or swimming. But, but, and so um, super impressed with, with the way they, uh, they handle things over there. Vancouver, I've got a crush on the environment. It's the most beautiful place yeah. in the world. Um, Singapore, um, it's clean. They were a tight ship there. <laughs> you know? Um, Vermont. I wish I could be in Vermont every day. It's just, it's just beautiful, mm. right? We got the farm there. Um, but, but, and, and my wife, I got a massive crush on my wife after uh, 15 years and I want to be with my kids every day, but I'm with you. Sorry. <laughs> I can pretend to be your wife later. <laughs> no, 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 okay. no, no, You, you <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> no, thought I'd make no. the ass. You're out. Often. You're out. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Last, last one, another unexpected point of this conversation. Um, complete the phrase for me. Innovation to me is? Innovation to me is um, doing what's not being done. Um, you know, I think, I think when I went to Wall Street, I had no background in finance. I, w I came from cleaning swimming pools and doing construction. Everybody that was there was used to doing things the way they were always done. And you would actually hear that phrase, right? Oh, this is the way we always did it. And I got there with a fresh perspective and I said, but it's stupid. This is ridiculous the way you're doing it. And no one, no one saw that. So I think, I think innovation is that ability to, to bring a fresh perspective to everything you do. Like, like using the martial arts studio as an example, just because you guys have done it exactly this way since 68 doesn't mean that you can't tweak it and make some changes, right? Which would be hard to do because I would imagine martial arts is no, this is the way. Beautifully stated. So, where can people go to find more of you, more Spartan? And yeah. by the way, hold on. Why do you have a Spartan helmet in here in the first place? That is a great question. <laughs> so, uh, my parents received this gift from just a friend. They went to a, a furniture store recently and bought furniture. And turns out the owner of the store is also their friend. And they said, hey, we have this Spartan helmet replica of uh, uh, the Gladiator yep. from, you know, from Russell Crowe. And uh, here's a gift to you. And then they brought it because they thought it was cool. Nice. And we just had it on the floor ever since. Nice. And then Spartan it just, shows up. Yeah, it just clicked on me and said, oh, my gosh. Joe's going to be your tall. I was like, oh, we'll, we'll let him notice it on his own. So it's here. Awesome. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm yeah. glad you didn't wear it for the workout. That would have been a little, that a little weird. weird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, no, so, okay. So the destinations, where where can we go to find oh, you? So socials, I, anybody, web? I'm pretty open. Anybody who wants to email me directly, joe at spartan.com. Please don't send any silly emails or very long ones. Keep it down to a sentence or two. And uh, happy to help people. I tell everybody, look, if you don't have the money for a race, no problem. We'll give you a race. You don't have the money for a book. I'll send you a book. Um, and then anybody out there who wants to join you in Iceland, it's early December. So I think that would be good. We'll have an innovation crush uh, group in Iceland in December. I'm down. You guys down? <laughs> all right. I, this, the audience can't actually answer me. <laughs> Um, all right, everyone. This has been another great installment of Innovation Crush. Thank you, Joe. This has been amazing. Thanks for having me. Um, and we will talk to you next time. <laughs> <laughs>